Hey, I'm Tom Power. I'm the host of the podcast Q with Tom Power, where we talk to all kinds of artists, actors, writers, musicians, painters. We had Green Day on the other day talking about their huge album, American Idiot. Nicole Byer came on to talk about ADHD and comedy. And then there's Dan Levy. While we were talking about filmmaking, we talked about his insecurities. I sometimes feel like I have this desire to, like, perform, to be a version of myself that people might like. Listen to Q with Tom Power to hear your favorite artists as they truly are wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Welcome back to The Dose. Today on The Dose, we're asking, with the Delta variant raging on, how can we avoid another lockdown this fall? Hi, Nazim. How you doing? Hi, Brian. Thank you. I'm doing well. So tell me, what's the most non-COVID thing you've gotten back to since the pandemic began? <laughs> well, actually, just uh, this past weekend, uh, we went out to uh, a farm two hours north of here. And we spent an afternoon sort of touring the farm and really sort of getting up close with produce that is going there, enjoying a, a nice prairie afternoon uh, with another couple. That seems incredibly amazing thing to do at this point. And I, I, I want more of it. I, I want to do more of that, <laughs> to, to, to be quite honest. Well, we've come to the right place, and I'm obviously speaking to the right experts. So can you just say a hi, my name is, and tell us where you are and, and what you do? Just ad lib, just a sentence or two. My name is Nazim Mohajarin. I'm a professor in community health and epidemiology in the College of Medicine at the University of Saskatchewan here in Saskatoon. I'm also a director of Saskatchewan Population Health Evaluation Research Unit. And I have another role that I will just mention, and that is a lead of public health system and social impact in the newly formed coronavirus variants rapid response network, which is a federal research network focusing on variants of concern. I'm impressed. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to speaking with you. Okay, here we go. It's September, and while most of us are talking about kids heading back to classrooms, we at The Dose think the sleeper issue is that a lot of companies are talking about bringing workers back into offices just as the Delta variant is surging. So is another lockdown in our near future? And what, if anything, can we do to avoid it? All right. So, Nazim, Delta has become the predominant strain of COVID across much of Canada. Can you give us a broad picture of the state of the pandemic across the country? I know it varies a bit with the provinces. Yeah, so at the end of August here, 2021, we are looking at a fourth wave. We are, in fact, in a fourth wave right now, and we are seeing the Delta variant highly contagious and also virulent, really raging across, particularly in the western provinces of Canada, from BC, Alberta, Saskatchewan, some degree Manitoba, and, and Ontario as well. We are really seeing two sort of pandemics happening right now. The four Atlantic provinces in Canada has incredibly been able to, by and large, stay clear of, uh, of COVID-19. When I say stay clear, not that they have avoided it, but they are presenting a different picture compared to that of the Western three or four provinces in Canada. We have 83% of Canadian adults with at least one dose of vaccinations, probably 75% fully vaccinated, two doses, 
I mean, that's a very, very high proportion of adults, uh, Canadians who have uh, vaccines. But also it's September, it's time for us to go back to school. Our kids are returning to school. Those who have stayed home and work want to return to their workplaces. And we are thinking how to do this safely uh, for kids, for adults. And we also have our election. I will just mention that, which is also quite incredible. Yes, it is. Um, before we start talking about strategies and the things that we're concerned about, um, I wanted to talk about what the trend lines look like for COVID-19 in the next two to three months. For instance, in Ontario, we have exponential growth in COVID, which means every three weeks we're seeing a doubling in the number of cases. So, you know, in the last uh, week to 10 days, the rolling seven-day average across the province was 600 cases. And experts have been saying that left unchecked, it's going to be 1,200 cases in two to three weeks, and then presumably 2,400 cases another three weeks after that. What about other provinces? In the province that I'm based out of in Saskatchewan, uh, we have seen uh, numbers really rise quite sharply. We had one of the highest number of cases on Saturday at 369 new cases. And um, our daily average is about uh, 15 now per 100,000. You know, this was only about two or three, 10 days, 14 days ago. So quite a sharp rise in the new cases. All of this is driven by Delta. We are seeing similar growth of uh, cases in Alberta, in BC. Manitoba's uh, growth is a little bit shallower. We are seeing correspondingly many people treated in hospitals, ICU uh, units. And we are also seeing uh, deaths uh, mounting, uh, uh, accumulating every day. So here we are, end of August, uh, looking at how to contend with another uh, surge of COVID-19. So if we are dealing with another surge, and if these trends continue, what does this mean we're looking at in terms of lockdowns this fall? I, I don't think that we would be hurrying to issue stay-at-home orders uh, in our provinces. The reason I say that is because we do have a majority of people, uh, arithmetic majority of people, who are two doses or one dose are vaccinated. And we still think uh, the vaccines are holding against the Delta variant. So I think what probably is going to happen is that we are going to increasingly take a focus strategy, which is regionally based, place-based, setting-based approach to mandatory mask wearing and social distancing uh, and issuing proof of vaccination documents, you know, so that people can enter their workplaces, the students can go back to universities, and staff in uh, schools could go back to classroom and teach their students. And we are also seeing municipalities requiring proof of vaccination documents for their civic employees to return and continue to work in, uh, in civic facilities, in city-owned facilities. So I think it is going to be a different way of responding, public health responses to this particular wave. Again, I think we have enough people vaccinated, and I think we will address the flare-ups that are happening in particular places you know, as needed. Uh, in the United States, the Biden administration wants to offer third-dose booster shots to people who were fully vaccinated more than six months ago. And, and of course, uh, in the United States and Canada, boosters will be made available to people who have poor immune response and are therefore at risk of, of getting full-blown COVID. 
how effective might that be, a third booster at keeping a lid on new cases? So we are seeing uh, booster doses offered in provinces in Canada as well. Uh, Ontario, for example, is getting ready to do that. There are two ways to offer a booster dose. Um, One is to people who had mix and match of vaccines, for example, AstraZeneca first, followed by Pfizer, Moderna, they're offering a third shot of the same to match the second shot, for example, Pfizer, so people can travel. And there are a lot of questions about that, you know, actually offering a booster dose to facilitate traveling at this point in time. A second more legitimate reason for offering booster dose would be to enhance the immunity of people for whom that immunity might begin to wane. So you mentioned the people who got their first dose early in January, February, when we started immunizing people. And also, I think we will be seeing third dose being offered as necessary when we see new variants that might pop up, that might uh, evade immunity, and we might tweak the vaccine uh, doses and, and then offer it to people in order to keep them protected from any new areas that are concerned. Of course, the other thing is uh, children. We are hoping children younger than 12 years of age will get a vaccine dose, hopefully by the end of the year, early next year, 2022, and that can't come soon enough. You mentioned a while back seeing, not necessarily seeing us go back to full stay-at-home orders, but a targeted response. Can you elaborate more about what you mean by a targeted response and, and how we might decide that this community or this place, this region, needs more of a targeted response than another one? Yeah. When we look at uh, COVID-19 outbreaks, uh, so for example, in Saskatchewan, the rate of cases in Regina, for example, is one-fourth of uh, the cases in Saskatoon right now. It was exactly the opposite with the third wave, which was driven by Alpha uh, back in uh, March, April of this year. So I think what we have to do is, you know, we have to have measures like proof of vaccine documentation, indoor masking, particularly when you're spending quite a bit of time indoors in crowded places, in close quarters with people. We have to have these measures happening where the background or the prevailing COVID rates are higher than in other places. And the other thing to say here is that people travel between and among cities. People travel for work, people travel for business, and no city, no place is an island. So, I mean, I think we have to make sure that we issue caution for people who are traveling between cities, particularly between high incidence, high prevalence COVID-19 places to lower incidence and lower prevalence COVID-19 places. We need a lot of information uh, continuously uh, communicated to people about the prevailing COVID rates, where it is safe, where it is not so safe to be, to travel to, you know, at any given time. And and this is what I mean by a more targeted, more place-based and a setting-based approach than a blanket stay-at-home order and and a lockdown order for populations. Nazim, what kind of testing capability do we need then to be able to tell that this region is a high COVID region and this one is, is doing a lot better? 
we need a lot more than we actually have been uh, showing right now. We have to have more rapid tests available to Canadians. Other countries like Denmark, for example, and UK are doing a much better job getting those rapid tests that people can self-administer. And we haven't figured that out in our country. Just now we are doing pilot rapid testing in schools. So we are setting up to do pilot rapid testing in schools. We should have done this back in September. And so I think the testing capacity, particularly rapid testing capacity, has been really wanting in Canada. And this is something that we look back on at an appropriate time and kind of, you know, reckon, why weren't we able to do the rapid testing as well as other jurisdictions, other countries did? So rapid testing is important and and more comprehensive testing, self-administered testing. Are there any other things that we could be doing, should be doing that we're not doing right now? That, that might help give us the, the information that we need that would help us stem this fourth wave? Brian, I think uh, we are seeing sort of natural experiments happening all over the world, as, as a matter of fact, but in our country as well, in Canada, the two provinces, Saskatchewan and Alberta, has really no public health measures this fall. The public health measures were lifted in July, just sort of preceding the beginning of a fourth wave. As a matter of fact, the fourth wave might have been caused or hastened by uh, the lifting of the public health measures. And I think this is something that we have to revisit. Our public health leaders and our political leaders have to take courage and have to address this issue of not having enough public health measures to keep people safe. We need to keep our children who are going back to school unvaccinated, therefore unprotected, in congregated setting for long periods of time safe. My fear is that this fourth wave will turn out to be a wave that disproportionately affects our children and youth. And, you know, I, we don't know much about long COVID. That is another issue that we have to contend with. So we really have to do a lot more this fall to keep our populations, our kids safe. Uh, all of those things that we did a year ago, we have to do them again. And in fact, uh, we had to do them smarter. So, you know, we have vaccines and we have to be able to show that we are vaccinated, you know, when we go places. When we want to travel, we have to look to see whether where we are traveling to is a safe place to go. We have to make sure ahead of time, not at the time that you are feeling symptoms, how we get our test kits for rapid testing and, and keep some or at least know how to get that on the day at the time that you need. So these are all the measures that we have to do all at once better than we did even last year. We've talked about the province's responses, but there's the public as well. And I want to ask you how concerned you are that people are so exhausted that they don't want to follow stringent public health measures anymore. And I get that. In fact, uh, I am tired as well, <laughs> and I couldn't, uh, I couldn't wait for this COVID to, to be gone, to be frank. But just actually wishing that it is gone, it's not going to make it so, and uh, we have to still work at it. I think we are closer to the end of COVID-19 as we have known it uh, than we are to the beginning of it, because a lot of us are vaccinated. I think this disease will enter into a different uh, form, different state, endemic, 
hopefully at a low level. It might be a seasonal disease that we have to contend with, like flu. But we have to be kind to each other, frankly. And uh, there's a lot of uh, divisiveness and polarization going on on issues of public health measures and orders. We had to try to hear people out who are not wanting to wear a mask or, or get vaccinated. We had to address what the concerns are, and we had to tell them that they should consider doing this for their children, for their families. And again, we have to be kind to people, to our neighbors, to our coworkers, and so on. And most of all, I think we have to have a positive outlook. Uh, you know, it is amazing uh, when I think about 83% uh, of Canadians have at least one dose of vaccine. And that's an incredibly high uh, number. And uh, when was the last time on any issue 83% of Canadians agreed on? <laughs> I can't think of anything. Hmm. Uh, so, you know, I think we are doing well from a global perspective. We are doing much better than uh, many other countries, but we are not clear. We are not out of the woods with COVID-19. And we have to just keep doing what we are doing in order to uh, get to the other side of COVID-19. You've described the sunny picture uh, of, of the end of, of COVID becoming an endemic kind of uh, a, a, a disease and infection that's around, but it's at a low level. It's a seasonal disease. Uh, you're an epidemiologist. Care to give us uh, a little bit of crystal ball gazing and let us know when you think that might happen? <laughs> Well, you know, yeah, that's always a bit of a danger in prognostication, and, uh, but I, I will I'll take a uh, go at it. You know, I think that we are going to get closer to a herd immunity, particularly when our young children, you know, start to get the vaccine shots, hopefully by early uh, next year. Hopefully by summer of 2022, I think we probably will see more of normal life returning to our communities, to our families. That's kind of what I'm hoping. Me too. Uh, you, you mentioned uh, other countries, and we've been mostly talking about COVID in Canada, but what are you hoping to see happen around the world in the coming months when it comes to getting the virus under control? In Canada, we have been incredibly lucky to get the vaccines that we have got starting middle of December. And we have done a really good job of getting vaccine in a prioritized and sequenced uh, basis to people who most need it, most vulnerable. And you know, I think that's a success story in and of itself, how we prioritize equity and need for vaccines in this country. But that is not the case uh, when you look at the global picture of vaccine distribution. Most of Africa are without enough vaccines. And um, most of Asian countries are without enough vaccines. And Delta variant is raging in countries like Sri Lanka and so on. This is a pandemic. It's not an epidemic that is in one or two countries. And uh, we have often heard that no one is safe until all of us, globally speaking, are safe. So I think the vaccine equity is a huge issue. WHO has been pushing for it ever since we had vaccines available. Yes, we have to talk about vaccine hesitancy here, but at the same time, we also have to think globally as well so we can all stay protected and come out of this together. It's an issue of equity, and it's also uh, an issue of self-interest. Uh, after all, there's a good chance that the next variant of concern will come from a country of largely unvaccinated people. 
that's exactly right. I think, you know, as we are speaking, we are seeing a subtype of the beta uh, variant taking off in South Africa, which uh, apparently has about 48 or 49 mutations, which makes it the farthest oh away from the Wuhan, you know, variant, the lineage. And we don't know much about this uh, particular variant. So yes, it emerged in South Africa and that's exactly right. I mean, what you said, Brian, we have to kind of think global, act local, and enlighten self-interest. We have to take care of ourselves, but we also have to take care of our neighbors, our global neighbors, for sure. Well, Nazim Muhajarin, I want to thank you for uh, being a guest on our first episode of The Dose for the Season. I have a feeling that we'll talk again soon. Please stay safe and healthy, and let's hope for the best possible outcome uh, during the fourth wave. Likewise, Brian, thank you for having me on, and best wishes to you. Nazim Muhajarin is a professor of community health and epidemiology at the University of Saskatchewan. Here's your dose of smart advice. Canada's fourth wave of COVID is caused by the Delta variant, and cases are doubling every three or so weeks. Having most Canadians vaccinated will reduce the severity of the fourth wave and save lives. Still, it's unvaccinated people, including kids who aren't yet eligible to be vaccinated, who are getting the worst of it. One way to avoid another lockdown is to boost vaccination rates among eligible Canadians. Another way is to do much more rapid COVID testing at schools, offices, even at home, to identify hotspots and contain them quickly through targeted measures like insisting on proof of vaccination and indoor masking. I know you're getting tired of all the precautions, but we're much closer to the end of the pandemic than we are to the beginning. Since kids ages 5 to 12 aren't likely to get vaccinated until late this year or early 2022, we must remain vigilant and ready to do our bit for their sakes. If you have topics you'd like to hear on The Dose or questions you'd like answered, tweet me at NightShiftMD or at CBC Podcasts or CBC White Coat using the hashtag TheDoseCBC. Our email address is thedose at cbc.ca. You can find The Dose and White Coat Black Art wherever you get your podcasts. Please do us a solid and give us five stars so more people can find us. This edition of The Dose was produced by Rachel Sanders. Technical operations were by Lauda Antonelli. Our senior producer is Colleen Ross. The Dose wants you to be better informed about your health. But if you're looking for medical advice, see your healthcare provider. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Until your next dose. For more CBC podcasts, go to cbc.ca/podcasts.